Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Hey, it's Bill Press. You know, we put out our daily podcast for you every day. And if you've been listening, you know that that daily podcast condenses the whole two-hour live show down to just 40 minutes, which is good. But that means we usually can only give you a small piece of each guest's interview. And some of the terrific content from those guests just gets left on the cutting room floor. Well, not anymore. Our new weekly podcast called Extended Play features a full, unedited interview with one of our favorite guests from the previous week. We're doing that because the Bill Press shows where top newsmakers start their day, and we want to make sure you can enjoy as much of that as possible. Extended Play starts right now. Uh, President Trump uh, out in uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan yesterday um, to uh, with a big... Uh, Announcement on CAFE standards, and of course the good congressman from Michigan's 5th Congressional District, Congressman Dan Kildee, invited to fly out with the president. That's what the president always done that. Uh, he so invites some members of the delegation <laughs> to fly on Air Force One with him. Oh, wow. What an honor. And yeah. be introduced. And, uh, Not so fast, Bill. <laughs> Somehow they left you behind at Andrews was, Air Force Base. I was not on the passenger manifest uh, somehow. Uh, so maybe I maybe it was the weight restrictions. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but oh, well, I've lost a few. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, tell us about this cutting the not cutting yet, but saying we're going to review the cafe standards. Something President Obama, with the support of the auto industry, put in place in 2012. And so we can't make fuel efficient cars. Is that the problem? No. I, the real problem here is that the industry itself has acknowledged that it was moved toward fuel efficiency by the CAFE standards, that it was moved toward innovation. Better cars, and right? Better cars, cars that customers want. I mean, the industry itself has really succeeded during the period since CAFE standards have been put in place. Right. We're selling more cars than ever before and right. better cars. So the details matter. What the standards are matter. is For me, the concern that I have is that, like everything else, he is going to put short-term profits ahead of everything else, including our obligation to the planet and to one another and to generations to come. I mean, I can be rational about it, but one thing we know for sure, as long as the industry is always being pushed to innovate, it will innovate. When we take away that obligation, it won't. Right. Uh, and the other thing that gets me, if Janie, if we can, at that statement by the president to the auto workers yesterday, where this, here's why, here's why I'm doing this. Uh, let's let Donald Trump speak. We're going to work on the CAFE standards so you can make cars in America again. We're going to help the companies and they're going to help you. That statement, so you can make cars in America again, ignoring the fact that the auto industry might have died were it not for President Obama right. in 2009. That's why we're making cars in America. 
Yeah, because right. We Nothing had, that this guy had anything to do with. For at least a moment, we had an industrial policy that supported American manufacturers. Now, if, if Donald Trump really wanted to do something to help us make cars in America, we would uh, renegotiate parts of NAFTA, like regarding the rules of origin that allow foreign products to come into the three countries within NAFTA, including Mexico, mm-hmm. that are made elsewhere. 62.5% of a vehicle has to be made in the three countries in order for it, be, for it to be treated as a domestic produced vehicle. Fix that. But don't take away this, I think, there's a poetic convergence that CAFE provides. Industry can grow because it is innovating around fuel efficiency. And that's what happened. And to sort of say, okay, well, that isn't really what happened. We're going to change things right. so that we can go back to a time and place where we were actually losing market share, you know, it just doesn't make sense. So ignoring the fact that we are making more cars and better cars and selling more cars and we're moving toward fuel efficiency, the other thing I thought the president ignored, totally ignored yesterday, is he was talking to a group of union auto workers. Right. We're making those better cars because we've got a great, great union force of auto workers who have been doing that for years. They know what they're doing. And, you know, we wouldn't be there without them. Yeah, and su- support those workers. And how much support are they going to get from this administration That's the real and this problem. Congress? Don't put those workers in a position where they have to compete against sub-minimum wages in other parts of the world. Now, the president talks about trade, but the details really do matter on this. And, you know, obviously I had some differences with President Obama when it came to some specific areas of trade. Sure. But... <laughs> You know, the problem, of course, is these auto workers have heard it before. He's promising a lot, but what he's suggesting in terms of policy really does not help. It doesn't work in our, in our, in our, it doesn't work to the advantage of those very workers. Now, we, I have to tell you, you, Congressman, um, I don't know what the rest of your schedule is today, but you could appear on 25 different media outlets today, including. ABC, CBS, and NBC, and I bet you the Bill Press Show is the only place where that Peter and I, anybody, would wish you a happy Great Lakes Day. You know, I appreciate that. And, you know, as I walked in, Peter we're on wished it. me happy Great Lakes Day. There you um, are. See, we're on it. We, what, know what, it. we did, care. What did you uh, get me for Great Lakes Day? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what Donald Trump got you in his budget. Oh, he yeah. is cutting any funding yeah. to restore the Great Lakes. Yeah. Well, he's only cutting 97% of the program. Oh, oh okay. Oh, well, so why are you yeah. such a pessimist I, I know, about it? I know. <laughs> and I it's think a it's, negotiation, apparently. Uh, we'll start uh, with a 97% cut. Is it really yeah. 97%? 97% like, cut. Honestly, that's just insulting. Just so no. it's a $300 million it, program that he proposes go to $10 million. Yeah. By the way, it's the same thing with the Chesapeake Bay project. Chesapeake Bay, Puget Sound. Other, this is really about whether we're going to protect... Our lakes and streams. And tell us about the the Great Lakes Project. So the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative has done an incredible amount of work in restoring the lakes. For a long time, we saw the lakes decline. Remember, there was this notion that Lake Erie was dead at one point in time. Right. It's back to life again. And the other lakes have gone through similar struggles. And it is um, nutrients. This is a way to get at nutrient runoff, getting into the lakes, creating all sorts of problems, algal blooms. We saw what happened in Toledo with the drinking water. Mm-hmm. This gets at that. Uh, invasive species. We have this terrible problem with Asian carp that could end up really being a destructive force with the lakes. Our efforts to 
prevent and curtail the the um, promulgation of invasive species mm-hmm. and even invasive plant species that ring the, that ring the lake shore. Sure, protecting the fishery. It is it is another one of those instances where not only do we protect the lakes for the future, for future generations, their natural beauty, but it's an economic sure strength. Yeah. Forty yeah. million people derive their life and livelihood from the Great Lakes. Wow. 40 million people. Wow. So yeah. the idea that we would put at risk. Again, you can see the same thing. Puget Sound, Chesapeake Bay. Right. I mean, the local economies just depend right. on those resources. But this is a, this is a Tourism, short... Tourism, fishing, crabbing, yeah. climbing, everything. This I mean, is short-term versus yeah. any kind of intermediate or long-term... Uh, and, this, and this is part of a budget which cuts State Department 28%, yeah. EPA 31%. I mean, you go down the board. Everything is cut but the Pentagon. All to fund a $54 billion increase, a 9% increase in our military buildup. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, to do what? To do what? Yeah. To buy what? Is it to provide better pay for our military? No. Mm-hmm. To do what? To fund the purchase of very expensive military hardware, which will do what? I mean, no one can answer that question. Yeah, right. The Pentagon can't answer the question. These are these are apparently dollars that are going to go to the Pentagon, and they're going to have a really big problem figuring out what to do with the additional $54 billion in a way that makes us safer. Right. More nuclear, more nuclear weapons. I mean, he already said, "Let's have an arms race." Maybe that's what he's. Maybe that what he. That's what he's referring to. No, it's an interesting dynamic because in this case, it's not the generals who are coming saying we're really short-handed uh, on 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 person power. I guess you can't say manpower anymore, and um, and equipment, and we need this many battleships, and we need this many new bombers, and we need this new fighter plane or something. It's the White House saying, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." We're giving you this money, damn it, and you got to find a way to spend it. And so, in order to fund that, do are we safer by cutting um, foreign service officers? You know what? We have more Americans in military bands than we have foreign service officers. <sighs> in military bands. Now, I'm all for the military yeah, right. bands. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean. Give me some John Philip Sousa any day. Like at the Gridiron Dinner, we saw the, the Marine Band came in. They were the president's terrific. own. They were terrific. Yeah. 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 So wow. I'm all for them. But let's not have a, a, a system of government that places such a low premium on face-to-face discussion with our neighbors around the world. And in exchange for that, we're just going to say, look, we're buying more weapons. We're not going to talk to you anymore. We're not going to provide your farmers with support to figure out how to grow more effectively, to increase your wages. An average Indian worker, for example, makes $1,500 a year. 600 million Mm. people in India are uh, subsistence farmers. A part of our diplomatic effort is to help those people lift themselves from that kind of abject poverty. That helps us around the world. That sure. increases our standing, the credibility of the United States, the safety of the United States. And instead of that, we're going to cut all that, throw it all away, and build up more military strength. Well, we know, and I mentioned this earlier, even you know when the Democrats controlled both houses of the Congress and President Obama came out with his first budget, once the, if the president's budget comes up to Congress, 
it, it can it can uh, undergo a lot of changes, shall we say, before it comes out the other end. Yeah. So, what do you? How do you think this budget is going to be received? I mean, I think unfortunately, it, it sets the it sets a standard that some Republicans will measure themselves against. That's the real difficulty. I think it won't be the budget that we work from, but of course, the problem is we haven't done a budget really mm-hmm. in years. Yeah, and so, you know, I'm I'm just really concerned that this is directionally where the Republicans are going to see themselves going, because right now, so far, they are petrified of Donald J. Trump. Mm -hmm. They're petrified of being tweeted at by Donald J. Trump. Let's just put it on the table. They disagree with him. They think he's nuts. (laughs) They do. Well, let's say that they've discovered that he's nuts. Okay. (laughs) So, Bill, I'm going to make news right now. All right. Something's wrong with the president. (laughs) Oh, is that not newsworthy? <laughs> so he's not well. There's something's something wrong. not There's right. Something very wrong. And they know it. We know it. But they're petrified of him, and they're petrified that they will get a tweet, and somebody will challenge them in a primary. What we're waiting for is people like Devin Nunez, who is now beginning yeah. to say, yeah. "No, hold on a minute, now. Right. Hold on a minute. My reputation's more important to me than defending this guy. We need more of that." Right. Because something is wrong with him. I mean, yesterday, I thought it was very instructive yesterday. Uh, so um, with his claims, you're, 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 it's a good segue there to his claim that President Obama ordered the wiretapping of his phone. So yesterday, Jeff Sessions says, uh, no. I didn't give him any input. Uh, I, I don't know anything about that. It wasn't a long answer. No, no. In a word, uh, no. Uh, Chuck Grassley says... We need some answers to this, or we're not going to we're not going to even hold a hearing on this number two guy in, in uh, for for the DOJ. Um, Devin Nunez, as you point out, comes out and says, "I've seen zero zero evidence. There is not one Republican yet, inside or outside the White House, who defends or or can provide any back at that statement up right. at all." Right. And and Trump yesterday last night with Tucker Carlson continues to say, "No, I've." I'm right, and I'm going to show you the evidence. That lo- he's, you're going to see a lot of stuff in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. That, that interview was, again, a little bizarre, but we're getting used to it. When he cites yeah. a January 20 New York Times story and then a question that Brett Baer posed to Paul Ryan, which Paul Ryan answered and said, I don't, know, I don't, I don't see any of that. doesn't seem like it's true. Um, credibility... At some point in this town or anywhere, I mean, it's not just Washington, but a person's word has to have some value. At what point in time do we say, well, we can't believe anything you say? I mean, I'm kind of coming to that conclusion. I don't believe a word that comes out of his mouth. You're right. You're right. I mean, there, there no, is a, a certain wait amount a minute, of Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The president always tells the truth, except when he's kidding. <sighs> oh, yeah, that's right. I was only kidding. Yeah. Yeah. It was in quotes. Right. Nobody paid attention to no, that. No, that's their only that defense. That it was in quotation marks. Yeah. But it has come to that. Yeah. And, and and more and more you see in the in the briefing room now, people are saying, well, how do we know, right? You, you're going to say this stuff and you provide no evidence at all. And then it's you've got to. This is a real crisis. Especially when I, you're president of the United States. I, right. I, I, hate to, I hate to come back to something so petty, but, I mean, it was day one of the presidency when – Sure, or I guess day two, the, on the Saturday, when Sean Spicer came out and talked about and lied about the inauguration right. uh, attendance. And I know that's small, and I know that might be a little bit petty, 
But like the conviction with which he came out and fought that. Oh yeah. And went to the mat over that. And it was all a lie. Right. I mean, and, it just was. And like we've seen this remember, play out a couple of times. Remember also, it didn't rain and the sun was shining. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's a lie. So, hmm. so George, <laughs> George Bush putting on his uh, his uh, poncho or whatever it was, right? And, and, and Melania holding up the umbrella. When fake news. Fake well, news. and then the rest of us all put our umbrellas up because we didn't want George and Melania to look like they were out of step. Right, right, right. right the fact right. that there was. Yeah. Precipitation. But, no, the idea that he would lie about the fact that the sun was shining when in fact it was raining just kind of. <laughs> we should have known. That What's moment, the old right? saying about don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining? <laughs> they might actually do that. The Trump administration, Sean Spicer, might actually do that. No, maybe, maybe it's good I wasn't on the plane. Yeah. Now, that, now that you mention it. <laughs> but I, I, I have asked this, ask you about healthcare, but you, you mentioned this interview. The other thing that struck me about this interview, so Tucker was saying, why do you tweet, you know? I mean, why why are you still doing this? So he, if you saw the interview, you know, he said, well, look, I've got 100 million people that follow me. Now, he's got 25 million Twitter followers, which I think is more than anybody I know. Is that more than Beyonce? I don't know. Beyonce Knowles? I'd have to go check. All right. Well, <laughs> but I think that's probably more than what, Beyonce. As opposed to the other Beyonce? <laughs> I, was gonna, I mean, I, <laughs> all right. Let's just. Sort of out of the loop. Let's just give him, let's just give him the credit. 20, he's got more Twitter followers than anybody else. I'll, 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 I'll admit that. I don't know whether it's true or not. 25. He's got a lot. He's but dead. then he says, but then when you add Facebook. And LinkedIn oh, or kind of whatever else he said. It's a hundred million. Who knows? And so he said, basically, I've got my own media empire. And this is the way I get my version of the facts or my version of the truth out. So everybody, all those other guys out there, none of them give me, except for Fox and Friends in the morning, he right. mentioned them. None of them give me a break or none of them treat me fairly. So I've got a hundred million and I just communicate with my 100 million people. It's like... He's in his own little it is, and this, alternative universe, this, right? The sad thing is that he gets up every day thinking about that and not about 300 million people who are depending on him to rise to the office that he's been elected to or 7 billion people across the planet whose futures are going to be impacted Very much by, linked the, to ours. by the person yeah. who occupied the office that once represented the leader of the free world. I'm not sure that the president of the United States can make that claim any longer. He is not the leading voice in the free world. Uh, to, wow. use, to use his word, sad. Yeah. Exclamation point. Yeah. I can't believe we're almost an hour into this morning's program, and, and there has been so much else happening that we haven't even gotten to what until today was the biggest story of the day, which is the Republican health care plan. Is it going to make it through the House, and is it dead on arrival in the Senate? Um, we all know how bad it is, but... It's bad. I, I, you know, I don't think they'll make it. Ryan just yesterday, I think, began to acknowledge that without major changes, they're not going to be able to get this thing through. It's a, it's a bad bill. It yeah. was poorly drafted. It does a lot of harm. And the interesting thing is, they take the basic architecture of the Affordable Care Act in some ways... You know, premium supports, uh, expansion of Medicaid, but they do it in a way that kicks 24 people 24 off million. the system. Yeah, 24 right. million people off right. the system. Um, and 
one, one of the things about the CBO report, which I know everyone reads, <laughs> um, they did not do a macroeconomic analysis. So it could be a lot worse in the sense that the cost shifting that would occur as a result of people coming out of the system, um, rural hospitals closing, the impact that that will have on real costs that wow. Medicare is going to have to bear is wow. really yeah. not calculated in. They made it very specific. They didn't have time to do the macroeconomic analysis. So it could be a lot worse. Right. Um, who, and, who is this bill for? Who, who, who's behind this? Who wants well, this? Well, there who's... are 400 people in the United States that will get a $7 million tax cut. The 400 million people who I guess Donald Trump would refer to as his neighbors. Yeah, right. They'll get us. They'll get a, each an average of seven million dollars in reduced taxes, six hundred billion dollars in tax reductions for the people at the very top. What this is is a tax bill disguised mm-hmm. as a health care bill. This is about transferring wealth from working people to the wealthiest people in this country. And that is what it starts and finishes with. And there's some healthcare language thrown in. Right. Uh, and so you say it, it would require major changes. Well, I, I, I hear that now. And in fact, Donald Trump last night said, if this bill doesn't do everything I promised, I'm not going to sign it. I mean, so he always gives himself like a little edge, a little out, right? Um, yeah. And, but it, 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 I, I guess what I'm getting at is if you're going to make changes, so. Some of the more reasonable Republicans in the House are saying, I can't go along with this. This is this guts Medicaid, like right. Ileana Ross Leighton says. My people in Florida, they depend on Medicaid, right? I can't go along with this. So do they change it to help people like her who think it goes too far, or do they change it to help people like in the Freedom Caucus who say, this is still Obama light, Obamacare light. It doesn't go far enough. So. They've got themselves in a bind. Right. They are in a pickle, right? Yeah. Right in the middle. And I think they assumed that <laughs> Trump, President Trump, would be able to push this through. And, of course, what he's doing right now is backing away from it. It's interesting. Uh, Ryan says that this is something they did together. Trump yeah. says this is something Ryan put together. Right. So he Ryan calls it Trump Care. Trump calls it Ryan Care. Nobody wants to own this thing because it's a terrible piece of legislation. I find it especially funny that Donald Trump doesn't want his name on it, given that his name is on every other freaking building yeah, in the right. country. Right. I think he's trying to figure out how to monetize that. <laughs> if he can figure, you know, everything's a negotiation. That's right. Right. Yeah. But no. <laughs> Uh, it, it does appear to me that, that the White House is at least keeping the option open of an exit ramp. I, th- I think so. And I don't know. The problem is, what's the reset look like? I mean, I don't know where they come back with. Because if they can't find the sweet spot, what this really speaks to is something that the president unfortunately just discovered is that this stuff is really complicated. <laughs> you know? Who would have known? Yeah. Who could have possibly known? It's only 18% Nobody of the, knew. Nobody knew. Right. Nobody, Nobody knew. knew. The other th- my other big takeaway here is how much foresight Barack Obama had when he went down this path of health care reform. Because, as Bill has said, I, you know, the, the Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, is not perfect, needs to be tweaked, needs to be fixed. But the Republicans, they don't have a hand to play here. Their options are repeal it entirely, right? Which is death for which them. is death for them and a lot and of people. A lot of, exactly yeah, right. and a lot of other people, or 
some sort of Obamacare light, which is going to piss off a lot of other Republicans and will never make it through. I mean, they're really totally screwed here. The real problem is that the improvements to the Affordable Care Act that would actually make it more functional take us further away from typical Republican orthodoxy. Like, for example, it would make a difference to have the public option. To yes, have yes, people be able yes, to take their yes, premium support yes, and their yes, own money and buy yes, into Medicare. Yes, yes. That would make a difference. Right. It would be smart. It actually would be good for not only access and competition, but it would actually have the effect of driving down Medicare costs because the pool would be larger and healthier. I'm sure the Republicans will float the public yeah. pretty soon here. That's, that, that's a good solution. Hold my breath. <laughs> I think that'll come in with my invitation to fly an airport. <laughs> so we wish you again, Congressman. We thank you for coming in. Wish you again a happy Great Lakes Day. Thank you. And in advance, a happy St. Patrick's Day for tomorrow. I Absolutely. You've got your green tie on. We know right. you're celebrating yes, already. That's, that's Great right. to see you. Good as always. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. This is the Bill Press Show.